Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah, <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Uh, you can laugh. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you shawny man? Get it up there to the big boys, was Martin O'Neill's halftime rallying cry yesterday evening. And what it lacked in sophistication, it made up for in clarity of message. Robbie Brady heeded that message, got it up to one of the big boys. Big Johnny Walters barged over that Austrian defender with his big old frame and he got us a big point in the context of this group. You're very welcome to Monday Second Captain's Football Podcast, Ireland vs. Austria edition. Hi, Ken, Murph. Hello there, Owen. How are you? you? Not too bad at all. Unfortunately, the ref didn't take too kindly to our biggest boy, Shane Duffy, and his big, robust attempts to force home the winner there. Yeah. Just too big. The big winner. The big winner, It would have been a big winner. Well, um, This referee is size-ist, if this is such a thing. Oh, there's a thing, Owen. Don't worry about that. There was a lot of uh, bitterness from the Ireland players and staff after that. Well, and from myself and the fans behind the goal. Oh, you were shaking, shaking your fist, you and Joe Sixpack. Yeah. You were you were behind the goal that Ireland scored into. Well, there was a Joe Sixpack in front of me who was doing the wanker gesture, gesture constantly during the match, <laughs> mostly aimed at the uh, Austrian defender who kept getting him, kicking the ball out of play so he could go off and get treated for injury. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, I think it was the Austrian centre-half, wasn't it? But I think he might have gone again for the referee that point as well he was just it was it was non-stop this, this it's not a very specific gesture you know i mean if you're making that gesture and you're in a terrace i mean i, don't, I you know you're in a stand i don't yeah. know that you can you can say right definitively i'm doing that wanker gesture at one person and one person only it's more of a general thing it was right? a very he did it in a very sideways motion as well yeah I don't know why I'm going to do this much detail. Almost as though he was doing it to somebody else. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know, yeah. But we were certainly berating the referee again, myself and my friend there, mm. the wanker gesture guy. Uh, <laughs> so what, what else was going on around you? Oh, give, give me a, give me a flavour of, of well, what I, the I, Irish people were saying. Oh, I'll tell you what, I had an angry Corkman beside me. Yeah. Angry fan. You know these angry mm. fans who are just angry at everything. Angry at our Rah. team or their team? Oh, mostly our team. Which players? Well, all of them. Ah, he must have had a couple of scapegoats. Oh, who were scapegoats, let me think. Didn't seem too impressed with any of the defenders, really. He wasn't happy. Oh, he, very, he wasn't happy with Shane Duffy's long Hollywood passes over the sideline. Neither trying. was neither was I. <laughs> he, he, he didn't like those at all. It felt that even when things were going sort of semi-right, they, they, it wasn't enough to please this man. Right. Meanwhile, the wanker guy was just doing his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he was a few... See, I couldn't hear what he was saying. He was a bit in front of me. I was mostly just... Where, now, to, just describe to me exactly where you were. You were, but you were behind the goal. But which South part? Stand, yeah. Were you in the premium section? No, South Stand in the upper section. Ah, okay, not the not the not premium. premium. The f- fifty euro seats, Ken. The slagging was lightning in the corporate section. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not corporate, nothing like that. Um, uh, I didn't didn't quite pull that one off. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a pretty riotous last ten minutes. I must say, being there, especially being behind the goal that we were shooting into. We were trying to suck that ball in, Ken. Yeah, Which like Anfield did it with the cop did in the glory days. Yeah, I I, manage it. I, um, I was amazed. I was amazed uh, at how everything was so different in the last ten minutes. The crowd really woke up, um, and just re-emphasized how how sort of numbing the first eighty minutes had been. 
you know, there was nothing going on. I mean, the, the biggest cheer of the game up till the last 10 minutes was when James McLean leveled that guy, Janusovic. That's about the, at least the seventh or eighth match that James McLean has gotten an acclaim like that for a reducer. Now, I don't know about this. I kind of think it's a law of diminishing returns. If he keeps doing it and he keeps getting a brilliant crowd reaction, I fear that sometime down the line there's going to be... A line will be overstepped. You know, it nearly even was. I mean, okay, it's it's one of those. Was it a foul? In in intent, I think it was... was was, The intent was to intimidate, to physically bully and intimidate. Uh, And I suppose in that sense it was... It was kind of well judged in that there wasn't really. He he obviously got the ball and then he deliberately sort of followed through into the into the player who didn't know that this was coming. Clearly hadn't been briefed or hadn't bothered to watch his James McLean video. <laughs> I mean he was the the Austria team sheet was printed in a strange shape. There was like a a kind of all the player the ten players were lined up in a including goalkeeper were lined up in a, in a sort of almond or eye shape, mm-hmm. and in the middle where the pupil of the eye would be, was Yanuzovic. So you immediately thought, well, there's a lot a lot of responsibility on this young man's shoulders. I mean, there's a ring a ring a around this guy, <laughs> and he's in the middle. So he's kind of pulling the strings. He's the central hub. So maybe he hadn't been told about James McLean and what he brings to the party. And, I mean, what we know is James McLean brings to the party is commitment, intensity, Arcadius Milik would be able to tell you about what James McLean brings. If there's a ball, he's going to go for it in a full-blooded way because that's the ball is there and it's there to be won. And for this reason, you, you want to be a little bit careful uh, if, you are, if you're going to contest one of those balls. When it's 50-50, you're about running for the same ball, that's, that's when you need to watch out, right? And clearly, Yanuzovic didn't know this. I knew it, and so I was watching this situation going, what was he going to do here? Kind of a little bit through my fingers, metaphorically, because you're always worried that he might slightly misjudge it and we've got a first-half red card. But in fact, he judged it well, flattened Janosevic. What you saw then happen was the right-back, Liner, uh, immediately take offence of what, he, what he'd seen happen to his teammate and sort of swagger up behind James McLean and give him a little push and then kick him in the head uh, a couple of minutes after that. There was, you know, this this ball, this bouncing plane's kind of trying to control it. And, oh, who does that high boot belong to? What a surprise. It's the right-back liner. So he was kind of sticking up for his his buddy. He was actually the guy who, who Duffy then went through on the goal line at the end. Um, but, you know, I kind of... I'm not sure about this. I know, for instance, Roy Keane says, look, you got to do these things, you know, get the crowd going, make a tackle. Just do something. Get something happening in the game if the game is dead the way that it was for Ireland at that point, a really, really poor performance up to that point. But there's a couple of things about it. I mean, number one is there, there's a risk of a red card. Number two, there's a risk of injuring an opponent, you know, which has happened before, you know, with Milik. Maybe McLean doesn't see that as much of a risk. Maybe it's part of the game. But, you know, it's, it's, I think it's regrettable when you injure an opponent. Uh, I mean, maybe Neil Taylor thought he was just making a tackle. You know, sometimes opponents get injured. You know, that's why we had Cyrus Christie playing at right back the other day. Um... Then there's, the, then there's the escalation effect. There's the fact that also players will adapt. I mean, I don't. I, how many more players are going to come to the Aviva Stadium not knowing that this is going to be the case? You know, how many? I, so I hope we don't get a situation where that one of those 50-50 challenges, someone has, in the in the manner of a Leeds United player of the sixties and seventies, sees that challenge coming, and you know, makes the, makes the appropriate preparations, you know, which could end up uh, working out badly for McLean. We're going to be talking about the referee's performance with Dion Fanning in a couple of minutes' time, but just one point on it bef- before we get to Dion, and that is, was there any need for Shane Duffy to actually go for that header at all? Ball is looping, shortish defender standing on the line, l- glancing at Walters and glancing at uh, Duffy, which is probably intimidating. Walters probably could have got the nudge over that little twerp without actually without having to use his arm, and we might have got a goal there. Yeah, Duffy, th- was, it a, was it a rush of blood to the head for Shane Duffy, I think Duffy, one of many he had on the day? I think Duffy did the right thing going for the ball, absolutely. He did. You see the ball there and big go man for like, it. I mean, big this, big this man is, like that isn't going to leave his big head I'm gonna on score the six-yard here. line. Yeah. Yeah. The other problem was the big man put his big hand into the face of his little opponent as he yeah. jumped. I mean, when you see it, he, 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 he really leads with the arm. I mean, he jumps 
and the arm is out first. And the point is to push the guy on the line, behind the line, you know, to bundle him in. That's the that's the point. But it's also what makes it a foul. So, you know, it, it, the way that he... I, I absolutely wouldn't blame him for going for the ball. That's, he did the right thing. That's, I mean, yeah, of course. Of course, go for the ball, try to score. But he did it in such a way as to to make it illegal. I don't think he needed to really lead with his arm. So, um, But then again, it's, it was a sort of situation where maybe the referee would have disallowed it anyway. Oh, that must be a foul. Look See, the referee is, is almost waiting for it to happen and that's what myself and my wanker jester friend and my angry corkman beside me, Ken, and the little kid who was asleep for most of the match in front of me, that's what we were irate about at that moment. It was, I was, oh, he was always going to give that. Referees are just waiting to give that. And then I watched the replays and I thought, oh, well, maybe he was, maybe he was right to give yeah, that. The referee spot the... Leading arm there <laughs> doesn't always get given. I mean, we've seen examples of it not being given. I mean, the, you know, we were talking previously about the one between Chelsea and Arsenal when um, what's his name, uh, Mikel Alonso, oh, yeah. did did the same thing. You know, or, or a similar type of situation, a ball which in the six yard box has, has bounced high up and is coming down, and everyone sees it from a long way off. And a defender who has a run on the ball gets a running jump on it, or an attacker rather, and then a defender underneath the ball is sort of following the ball. Okay. The odds here favor the attacking player, but in, the, in that instance, um, what's his name? Alonso, I keep forgetting his name, uh, put his elbow like straight into the face of, into the, like the temple yeah, of Yeah, that was a more, that, that in. felt like a That's more like violent. Great. It wasn't great. Foul um, and anything Duffy produced. That was the one where, where Bayerine ended up on his back, you know, with his, with his hands. What's that thing called? Where, you, where your hands are going like that, you know, where you're... You know, you're sort of not. Your central nervous system has has taken a rain check on the next few minutes, and you know it's just sort of the peripheral nervous system trying to get things going, and your hands are kind of formed into claws and are trembling like this. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. And then, um, and he was stretched off, and and the game restarted with a uh, as Arsenal kicked off now one nil down. So different football cultures have different ways of looking at it. But whatever culture you're in. It's not a good position to be in as a defender under that spinning ball <laughs> with big Shane Duffy. Big the size of Shane Duffy. Yeah. Your man on the line is five foot nine, yeah. and Duffy is Duffy is I think six four, but looks much bigger. I mean, mm-hmm. he's one of these people who look much bigger if you actually see him, uh, you know, up close. He's square shoulders. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I don't even know that height and weight statistics can fully convey the size of Shane Duffy. Mm. I mean, it's there. There, it's more than just a number. He's more than the sum of those particular numbers. Report on sport coming right up. I just want to give you a quick heads up while I have you, though. We've got a big live show announcement to make, and we're going to make it on the World Service tomorrow. One of the many perks of World Service membership is first notice of our live shows. All I can tell you for now is that it will take place in one of the, well, the most remote location that we've ever done a recording. I'm pretty clear in saying that, I think. Yes. It's Lions related. That's the only other hint you're getting for the time being. If you want to get an idea of how much fun we have at these live events, by the way, it's also the legacy of our miserable history as well. That make Ireland great again makes no sense as a slogan. <laughs> Let's continue to improve slightly. Make yeah. Ireland reasonable for the first time. That's <laughs> what I'll have on my hat. It was like half an hour in 2006 or something, wasn't it, where things were looking all right? Even, yeah. you know, I always was, think, early, 1998 or something? Was no, it? I'd say the, the last time everything was truly great was the day they finished Newgrange. And <laughs> not the day they finished it. <laughs> The first 21st of December, where yeah. the laser beam hit the back of the shed and Enya, yeah. Enya yeah. appeared. <laughs> that was the last truly great day. Yeah, Dara Breen and David O'Darty doing their thing, as only they can, at the Cat Laughs last week. If you want to hear that show in full and be the first to hear about tickets to our next one, coming up very soon, you can get onto secondcaptains.com straight away and become a member for five euro a month plus fat. Please report on some sport, please, Ken. So, um, where were we? Yeah, so that so, so there was a lot of complaining about the referee. I didn't really feel he actually... There was a Walters penalty as well. There was a penalty. There was... Do you think there was a penalty? Was there a handball in the lead-up to the Austrian goal? Yes, that was a mistake. I mean, you, you, you know, that was, a, that was a mistake. McLean, it was again the same Austrian player, uh, Liner, uh, who McLean had kind of flicked the ball past and he handled it. The referee didn't see it. They went up the field, got the corner, scored. Um, our goal, arguably, um, the 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 push on uh, by Walters on on Dragovic, um, a lot of referees would have penalised that. I mean, you've seen these types of goals before. I remember one between uh, Manchester United and Liverpool. Remember the Cantona comeback game when Robbie Fowler scored yeah. two goals, and his second goal was 
actually he elbowed Gary Neville. Um, but it was a similar type of situation. Both two players chasing a ball, but the momentum is against the defender. If the attacker can get a little shove on the defender here, the defender's completely out of the game. Uh, and that's what happened there. I don't have any sympathy for Dragovic because he spent the entire game just booting Walters in the kidneys every time that the ball was anywhere near them. I mean, it was it was awful. <clears throat> it was like you, the referee should have booked him in the first half, but he didn't. He didn't even book him when he made a flying save. Do you remember that? I don't know if you could see that from your angle alone, but he actually made a flying... It was like Jean-Marie Pfaff. Uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> The flamboyant Belgian goalkeeper. He's literally the first goalkeeper that pops into your head. Jean-Marie Pfaff uh, leaps into here because I I had a, I had a football. Joel Bats for me as a Always. yeah <laughs> as a kid had a football book. I'm a, a football I'm book a with a guy. with yeah, a well, uh, very good host. a picture of Jean-Marie Pfaff uh, in the bright yellow outfit uh, making a spectacular flying save. You know, one of these where the goal the the goalkeeper appears to be six feet off the ground. Yeah. Uh, and he's jumping and he's got the ball in both hands. Yeah, I'm picturing the comic uh, strip goalkeeper, mm. part of yeah. the Boy of the Rovers. Mm. I'm picturing that guy. He did With that. With tiny gloves on. Dragovic did that on the side, but the referee actually gave a foul against Walters. Foul against Walters for a little push in the back just to add to the defender's momentum. So, you know, consistency maybe wasn't uh, in evidence. Um, but yeah, it does, it does seem to me um, we can't really feel that hard to make. The main thing is we didn't play well. We played, you know, where, where was the good team that we've been watching in recent games? I mean, we haven't, we haven't seen it in a while now. Didn't see it against Wales. Was who then missed that game. Um, he wasn't in the squad that day. And we didn't see it against Austria. We eventually saw it when he was on the field, although he didn't have that much to do with it, in all honesty. I mean, there was a good, there was a good cross. Uh, very quickly after he came on, he, play, he played a great cross from the right side, which sort of everybody missed. Um, uh, and I can't really sit here and say he orchestrated the... The comeback because it wasn't that type of game. <clears throat> I mean, the goal was that, you know, was it a great pass by Robbie Brady? Maybe it was, but it did look like he was just clearing the ball. It was the same as the great pass by Darren Randolph against Germany. Yeah, sure. They wax lyrical about it. Fairly standard booting the ball down the middle. I mean, I suppose it was a good it was a good ball in the sense that it dropped behind good the defense. trajectory on it, yeah. But yeah. not Putting the goalkeeper wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. You, you didn't have Manuel Neuer sort of, maybe the goalkeeper could have been a bit more proactive <laughs> in dealing with it, but um, but you know there, w- there was quite a few balls like that particularly in the second half where balls which weren't like long balls but it wasn't the usual here are two players a striker and defender tussling under the ball seeing who will get the header on, on the ball it was uh, John Walters chasing a long ball that's dropped in behind a defender so yeah maybe Shane Long would have been more adapted to that situation or that's the kind of situation you would imagine he would rather be in and it just happened to be Walters who was in it but Walters found a way which is great yeah. the first half this thing about get it up to the big lads this halftime you know we, we got the results in the end but it implies that we were trying to play too much football in the first half that we were trying to be too fancy and I don't know if that is what was meant by it but the real issue in the first half was how isolated Walters was mm. we were banging the ball up and there was nobody oftentimes within about 20 or 30 yards of Walters so he'd win a header and it would bounce on towards the goalkeeper, or he'd lose the header. It was a fairly dispiriting 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it wasn't like uh, plan B. It was kind of like plan A in bold, in capitals, <laughs> in a larger font. With Daryl Murphy brought on for good measure. So you actually have more than one big boy up top. Yeah, I'm. you know, it's... I mean, Mur- Murphy... Ireland have been quite effective when Murphy's been on the field. Yep. This is a fact. You know, he... he uh, he has played, in, in, and didn't he play against Germany and Italy in those matches as well? Certainly played against Italy. Did he play against Austria? I can't remember, but um, it's difficult to recall the lineups. But the, but uh, you know, even though okay, he's I think he still only got one goal. Was the goal against Serbia, which was an important goal. Um, they do with him on the field. I mean, he is better at being a, a target man than Walters. You know, Wal- in by virtue of the fact that he's a good bit bigger. I mean, Walters has got great energy and sort of presses and hustles but like it's not his natural game really being this target man centre forward you know he's he's a very adaptable player and he you know he gives it a good go but you know he is probably a bit better when he's a guy who can run off a man a striker such as Murphy you know look 
I don't know. And I think it was I think it was disappointing. I mean, there was a question afterwards to O'Neill from one of the Austrian journalists, which was pretty funny. I mean, it was the first question in his press conference. And it's like, you know, um, congratulations on taking four points against Austria. Of course, Austria are um, a better uh, team than Ireland. <laughs> so how can you explain <laughs> that you have managed to take four points <laughs> off a team that has more Brilliant. footballing quality than your team? <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was sitting there, like, bristling at this. How dare he? Austria aren't that good. You know, I'm not saying Ireland are good, but you're, you know. We can it's say not, it about it's ourselves, like a, yeah, but you it's can. Not like a, it's not like a German or a Spanish no. journalist coming in here and I lecturing mean, us on... How deluded are these guys? You know? <laughs> They're totally ridiculous. How dare they? What, what, what delusions of grandeur they have? They, 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 this is a terrible team. I mean... Okay, they played arguably better than us in the first half, but you know, usually everybody plays better than us. You know, I just don't don't feel they dominated us the way a good team would have. You know, they. Uh, I wasn't impressed. We were the team that were more there for the taking than they were. Actually, we were the ones that were supposed to win. I remember we were talking about this on Thursday. You described them as a rabble. Austria. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a line in. Match report I was writing. Some commentators have described Austria as a rabble, <laughs> but I thought, no, it's only it was only one commentator, and I can't just say old McDevitt. Oh, McDevitt, <laughs> friend of mine, to take it out. A rabble. That's what you said. Old McDevitt from the Second Captain's podcast. You can totally do that. Yeah, a, a bunch of uh, just deserters. Oh yeah, we don't want to plug in a national newspaper, Ken. Of course we yeah, don't. That'd be awful. Yeah, men who are just uh, like 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 a herd of cats. <laughs> the Austrian Edelweiss was trampled underfoot by. <laughs> Uh, that was that was what it was supposed to be, but of course it didn't work out yeah. that way. Um, so yeah, Dion is coming in here. Uh, I guess we'll talk a bit about a bit more about that. Uh, but there are a few other things going on. The England Scotland. Oh. Uh, poor Scots. Oh, it was incredible. Oh god, absolutely incredible. I mean, I was watching this game, sort of sunny enough, sunny Friday, sunny Saturday mm. afternoon. It was. I thought, oh, that England game's on. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. And then I, after the first half, I thought, oh, I feel cheated here. Why am I wasting my time watching this nonsense? This is terrible. Game went on. Oxford Chamberlain came on. Oxford Chamberlain scored a goal, which was, you know, Scottish goalkeeper's own. There used to be a joke that Scottish goalkeepers were no good, it, that Jimmy Greaves did for like 30 years. <laughs> Uh, but in this case, it wasn't great by Craig Gordon. It was a shot by Oxford Chamberlain. It was one of those goals you thought, how did Oh, I wasn't expecting that finish by Oxford Chamberlain. Funny the way it went to the corner. Didn't seem to have the right pace on it. Something weird happened. Mm. And then you could see that actually the shot had been straight at Gordon, but just gone off his hands just into the corner. Oh, no. Um, but, of course, uh, it's not just Scottish goalkeepers on who drop the odd clanger. Our old friend Joe Hart. Well, now no, I wanted to jump in, uh, but then I realized I'm cutting across you too much. No, no, so, you're not. No, I was just going to make the point that Joe Hart was big enough to do the post-match interview, as he does after oh, every game. Yeah. We're, I, I know you wouldn't like to blame the wall, but were the wall at fault, Joe? No, we don't We don't blame each other. You know? <laughs> well, so were, were you at fault for either of them, Joe, positionally? No, like I said, we, we made a mistake together. We made two mistakes together. Yeah. Uh, good, good, good strike by there, boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, boy Griffiths. No, he actually named Griffiths. It was another English player. I can't remember who it was. Harry Kane, who said... The lad. The, the lad, yeah, their lad has done the well. Lad. Come on, Harry Kane, give him his name. He hadn't scored <laughs> for his country, now he's just scored two free kicks. <laughs> Did Harry Kane he said know lad, who Lee yeah. Griffiths was? I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, Harry Kane... Uh, Harry Kane is a phenomenal player, by the way. Just made that look so easy at the end. But look, we, we're, we're getting past the best bit of the game. Okay, yeah. So the best bit of the game was uh, the last five minutes, Scotland got a free kick, like, a good distance out. A good distance out. And um, oh, Lee Griffith steps up and just blasted into the net. I mean, it's unbelievable. So Joe Hart talking about it afterwards. Um, this is his second free or his first free? His first. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and then he got a second. Then he got a second uh, one, you know, sort, sort of the other side. And blasted it on the other side. <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I couldn't remember. I mean, who has done something like this before? Zidane did, scored a free kick and a penalty in the, in the last couple of minutes against England and Euro 2004, other instances of a player scoring two free kicks in two or three minutes at the end of a, of a massive World Cup qualifier to turn a defeat into a victory. I couldn't remember. <laughs> against their most hated enemy. Against their most, I mean, it was, 
like a transcendent moment, you know. I mean, the booing of the of the national anthem at the beginning of the game, I was assured by one person who was there that this is the loudest booing I've ever heard of any anthem. This is the the Scots who, let's remember, have a a considerable uh, proportion of Tories in their ranks mm. these days. Although Gosh. perhaps not not necessarily at Hamden for uh, <laughs> uh, for a soccer international. Yeah. Scottish nationalism, Ken. The questions remain. I must say, the questions pile up. Yeah, they do. They <laughs> pile up. They uh, really do. Uh, and then the then the goal, uh, this the second goal is like you know described by those there as I've never heard anything like this in a football stadium. And I remember being at Celtic Park when Scotland scored against Ireland, and that was that was a barbaric yup <laughs> from from centuries ago. You know, I I trembled like the. <laughs> You know the Saxons at uh, Bannockburn or whatever. I, I've had that. Oh, this must have been must have been terrifying uh, to hear that. Yeah! No, it's like a, an oral arse bearing to uh, <laughs> <laughs> to go along with. I don't think Braveheart could have. Uh, and that, up. that was just Sean Maloney's little one nil goal against Ireland, not Lee Griffith's two uh, one pile driver against Joe Hart's England. Joe Hart said. And this is in the mix on because he did talk. He talked in the mix on. Oh, yeah, the one I was the talking about was a TV interview, but he obviously went on. Um, I think as a goalkeeper, you set your wall up. Sometimes there's nothing you can do. Okay, that's. I have to accept that, I suppose. He's produced two bits of quality. They weren't side foots. Sorry, they weren't curlers. They were heavy. Um, how I describe shooting, my, my boring goalkeeping technical term. But he put it over the wall, then it picked up pace, and you've got to say, well done sometimes. Sorry, what was his boring goalkeeping technical term? Heavy. It was a heavy strike. There were heavy heavy shot, which I thought was a weird way to describe a shot into the middle of the goal. It is an abstruse technical way to describe a shot that flies into the middle of your net. But, you know, I'm being unfair. I mean, Joe Hart means these were cannonball strikes, you know? If he'd got his way in the goal, the ball would have just carried him into the net. That kind of a way. Maybe it would have. You know, some will argue he, his position could have been better. Some will point to the footwork. I won't there do There would have been a hole things. in Joe Hart similar to the yeah. hole in the... T1000 in Terminator 2 Judgment just, Day. Yeah. Help me. By the way, Lee Griffiths had just, if people didn't see this game, had just Stuart Pierce the shot about five minutes before his free kick. Over, when you say Stuart Pierce, Slice over towards the corner flag. Oh, why, why do you call that a Stuart Pierce? Oh, not Stuart Pierce, Jeff Thomas. Ah, that makes ah, more sense. I mean, I no thinking... wonder it made no impact on Twitter when I said it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, I mean, Stuart Pierce, I associate with, uh, he's like in the... The top 1% of shooters yeah. uh, that I've ever seen. You know, in terms of hammering a ball, he is in the top 1% of players I've ever seen to hammer a ball. Should I reply to my own tweet and say, I meant Jeff Thomas yeah. two days yeah, no, later? I think, I think you should. I See, that should. goes on there. Uh, and at that point, the commentators were saying, oh, this is just, unfortunately, what it's been like for Lee Griffiths internationally. Just can't score a goal, can't buy a break. And he looked really like a guy lacking in confidence uh, as you're watching him walk around the pitch and suddenly he steps up and scores two free kicks. Yeah. And yet... Yeah, make it. and then yet, and yet, England's got a corner, which Scotland actually managed to clear, and they were going to break away, but why don't you just kick the ball? Why don't you just, you know, Jeff Thomas the ball out of play sure here? Sure, Pierce, that Jeff Thomas to just get some sort of contact on it. Um, because because uh, that's all you have to do is there's, there was one minute left, and they just need to get the ball into the you know into England's half or out of play into the stand. Oh, where is the ball? You know, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, trickster... Jocks in the stand there, you know. Yeah, Whose jocks. kilt conceals the ball? <laughs> <laughs> you know, all this kind of stuff. But but unfortunately, they gave the ball away. The ball is transferred out to to Raheem Sterling on the Raheem Sterling produced an unbelievable pass from the the left wing. It was basically just a, a long diagonal punt to the far post, but beautifully measured delivery. Harry Kane has escaped the marker uh, and. Walked up to the ball, like walked in. He almost, he, well, it was more of a sort of a trot, but he didn't have to really sprint. Beautiful, it's actually a beautiful goal. Ball and run intersect perfectly, and Harry Kane just side foots it in. Um, Craig Gordon rooted to his spot. Well, there Possibly was no, could have come. What can Craig Gordon Scottish do? Was a, it was a beautiful, uh, beautiful delivery and a great finish. And, you know, a sickening moment for. <laughs> for for many people. That will take decades to recover from. Said but Graeme Soonis was outlining how heartbreaking it was for Scotland. And I got the sense that the presenter and Jamie Redknapp both were 
they were they they understood where he was coming from, but he felt they didn't really understand where he was coming from. So he said, "No, I mean, seriously." I'm fucking reaching. There he was. That was Sunis. That was actually great. Sunis. So yeah, he said first he said generations, then he said decades, then I think he might have gone with generations again. It's going to take a long time for Scotland to recover from that, basically. It was a major sickener, but yeah, no, it, it was a major sickener. They. You know, you go 2-1 up in the injury time. Or was it injury time when the second one went in? I mean, it was nearly injury time. Having been 1-0 down. Yeah. So, I mean, we did it. Remember, we it was against Italy. It was it was similar to that. Uh, they were 1-0 up at Croke Park. We then fought back 2-1. Chance at leisure, late goal. Yes, we're going to win. Oh, my God, I can't believe we just conceded that equaliser. Like, such a stupid equaliser as well. We didn't have time to celebrate the goal the equaliser came so fast. It was just so basic. Everything just, oh, how could we have done that? How could we have done that? So that's the kind of feeling Scotland had, except imagine it had been against England just to add an extra there. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, Hart talked, was talking a lot about his future. The main thing he's looking for is, is stability in his life. He's now a 30-year-old man. He can't just pack his bags like an 18-year-old and, you know, just head off willy-nilly to wherever he wants to get a permanent move somewhere so we'll see how that goes uh in the end meanwhile pep his his uh his boss was off campaigning for catalan independence uh so uh, i don't know evidently joe hart isn't his priority at the moment just a couple of quick things um oh oh no i nearly forgot to mention that england have won the under 20 world cup yeah this is amazing uh, well, not necessarily amazing. England have been producing very good young players for a while now. It's just when they kind of get thrust into the the structure of the England team. I mean, even that England team that played against Scotland the other day is actually full of very good players. The squad, look, look at it, was full of great players. I mean, Sterling didn't start the game. He came off the bench. You look at the bench, it was full of good players. In every position, apart from central midfield, uh, which is where they still seem to struggle. But they've managed to win the World Cup with a team largely consisting of Everton young, uh, youth players, uh, also Nigerians. I think there's five or s- possibly six Nigerians in this squad. Players of Nigerian descent, that is. Uh, including Dominic Solanke, who has won the Golden Ball. This is uh, the Dominic Solanke, the centre forward, who's joined Liverpool from Chelsea. A badly timed transfer from Chelsea. You know, I, I mean, to... I don't think ultimately they had any choice in the matter. He was saying he was he was going, they couldn't keep him. Um, but given the, you know, to win a golden ball obviously adds a lot to a player's value. I mean, because you've won an award which previously has been won by players like Maradona, Messi, you know, Figo, uh, Pogba. Um, it's uh, Aguero is another player who won that. So it's a kind of... Uh, it's uh, it's a pretty good recognition for a player to get at that stage of their career. Chelsea had already let him go by the time it happened, um, but you just wonder if this what what's going to happen to this generation of England players. You know they've obviously won the World Cup. It was funny how little interest there was in it in England. Yeah, it didn't seem yeah, maybe there's enough. There was too much going on. They eventually got interested in it when England won the semi final. They beat Italy uh, last week. They so they won the semi final. They're in the World Cup final against. Venezuela? <laughs> We're playing Venezuela in the World Cup final. Uh, they saved a penalty. Um, England, uh, Venezuela had a penalty, which they, which was saved by England's Everton youth team goalkeeper. Um, Venezuela also hit the post with a free kick from literally the centre circle, which was a deliberate shot. Uh, and then they scored, um, England scored rather in the first half and I managed to hang on to it. Uh, Danny Mills talking about it was like, well, you know, now we get to see if they... Um, they can stand up to the pressure, you know, when there's three points at stake. And you're like, well, this is it. This is what. I, this is the impact that it's got. The success is going to have on them. They now have to go in whatever amount of these, say, you know, say two or three of these guys, four of them maybe, all going well, end up representing England together at a World Cup at senior level. These are the guys. This is the second golden generation. Yeah. And if they don't deliver, so the pressure is already being heaped on them. It was interesting that the I heard their manager Paul Simpson on Five Live just before the game talking about how they were going to have to stand up to the, these big Venezuelans. It's like, the Venezuelan team are going to bring it, you know, physically. That's what they do. And I was like, this is bizarre. Like, you know, Venezuela in the final? And Venezuela are the... Are, England are talking about having to keep playing their technical football against the violent attentions of these Venezuelan guys. <laughs> yeah. What's going on at an underage level? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd be surprised if the Venezuelan players were, on average... Um, 
I don't know if it was size he was talking about. I think maybe just he was hinting that because because the average height in Venezuela is um, yeah. for a man is five foot six and a half. They, they so. get stuck in apparently the Venezuelans. Can that's what he was saying. I think. Well, but low center gravity, low center gravity, isn't it? Yeah. No, I did. Go- I did uh, Google as opposed it, to just knowing that. No, I mean I don't know the average height of a of a um, of a Venezuelan according to. Uh, it's 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 about four inches less than the average height in in the UK apparently, but look. Um, well done to the the three lines. Yeah, I, I mean, what what will happen? The, the, like Mills was saying, oh, will they be able to do it when there's three points at stake? It's like this is a World Cup final. Like, which is more important? Which is a, actually a better test of a player's temperament or kind of ability to handle pressure? Playing a league match with three points at stake or a World Cup final with like you know. Nobody in England, no, England have not won a tournament of this level uh, since uh, 1966. The one other thing I want to mention, Owen, is you, you mentioned Stuart Pearce, which, which puts me in mind. Two things reminded me of Roberto Carlos in this. One was the goal scored by Harry Kane, which was a bit like the goal that Thierry Henry scored against Roberto Carlos' Brazil, while Roberto Carlos took a little rest mm-hmm. uh, in the 2006 World Cup. Uh, and the other was your mention of Stuart Pearce, the only other player with the thunder thighs. Uh, to compare to Roberto Carlos, um, who was really a sensation in the late '90s when he blazed into the, you know, consciousness of the world, um, with two things: his goal against uh, France was it in Le Tournois? Yep. And uh, which a, a shot from an implausible distance, which curled. Oh, it's still curling that one again. Oh, implausibly. And and also photographs of his legs, his enormous. Legs, which literally look like chicken drumsticks, you know. I'm not uh, chicken legs is an insult. I don't know exactly what it means. Does it mean fat thighs, skinny calves? I'm not sure. No, chicken legs just thin, skinny legs. legs. From ankle oh, to thigh is from ankle to hip. So we're so we're talking legs. about like how a chicken looks in before you've plucked, killed it and plucked yeah, it. Yeah, an yeah, actual those yeah, skinny yeah. little legs that come out. Well, he had chicken drumstick legs. Yes. Um, his thighs look like drumsticks, and. It turns out, Owen, that it may Do not have been entirely natural. <laughs> Can you believe it? Um, Heyer Seppelt is the uh, German, um, is the German journalist who uh, has been doing a lot. You've, we've spoken about his work before in terms of anti-doping and so on. Um, essentially, the point here is that a documentary on German TV uh, on the channel A or D, which is their version of RTE. Um, yeah, these are the same people who would have been behind the, a lot of the Russian, a lot of the work on the Russian um, doping story, mm. ARD and Sepult, yep. Uh, basically has linked Roberto Carlos to a doping doctor uh, who was under investigation and things. So he was supposedly at the clinic of this doctor in July 2002, which would have been just after that uh, World Cup was finished. Uh, the implication being that these... Amazing ties, which stunned the world. <laughs> it's like, like a friend was saying, you know, in, in 1997, Roberto Carlos had these legs. You know, it was like, what? Roy, in 1997, what did Roy Keane look like? He had moobs. You know what I mean? People thought, okay, sure, Roberto Carlos probably works out and stuff. Obviously, our footballers don't do that kind of thing. Roy Keane has got moobs, and he's in his, like, mid-20s. Uh, sure, maybe that could be natural. If you just worked, if you just spent a bit of time in the gym, and you know maybe didn't go, didn't go drinking with the lads on a Tuesday, but um, I don't know. When you look at uh, Roberto Carlos now, you, you you do scratch your head a little bit, and you think, hmm. Yeah. That's it for today's report on sport. Timbuktu. They're all pumped. We haven't got leaders. They're all just headphones. Inside and outside blue they don't communicate. You can't get anything out of them. That's why we're no good. They're all just headphones. They don't communicate on the pitch. They don't communicate off the pitch. They're all pampered. Oh, we're getting ready for Russia. Good luck. And then after that, we'll be building a team for Timbuktu. Timbuktu. How have England reacted to that equaliser? Perfectly. Um, no panic. Calm straight down. Continue dominating the game, playing and staying in Iceland's hearts. It's been the perfect response. You'd think that no problem.
Let's talk about the game a little more now with Joe's Dion Fanning. Hi there, Dion. Hey, Owen. How's it going? I'm not too bad. I want to ask you, is David Fernandez Borbalan, yesterday's referee, up there with the, I did have to check this guy's name, Raul Nazares of this world, the, uh, the famous referee from the, wasn't the Ireland, Belgium, Belgium game, game yeah, Paul, yeah. Paul Howard tracked down That's years right, later. Yeah. We, we talked to him last year about it. Is he a villainous figure for you? No, I, I, I don't, I, no. No? No, I don't, uh, like I watched... I watched it again last night thinking I must have missed, like, how did I kind of you know, miss this wave of outrage? Because you know, there's nothing kind of more adrenaline fueling <laughs> than a bit, a bit of outrage. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I listened to O'Neill in the press conference and thought, right, there's something here. And I looked at it. Uh, I actually thought in real time, I thought it might have been a penalty. When I saw it again, I didn't think it was a penalty. And the goal being disallowed... Well, like, I don't know what O'Neill was talking about. Like Andy Gray would have had goals disallowed if all his 400 goals disallowed if, if that rule stood. Well, that was 30 years ago. Um, you know, you might as well say Nat Loft, Lofthouse uh, would never have had his goal, you know, you know, chalked up in the 1958 Cup final if the referee had interpreted the rules like that then. Like things have changed. And. That was clearly, you know, an interpretation of a foul that you see all the time. Well, that was Duffy's point was that you don't see that all the time, and that if I had headed that away from, well, he said if it happened anywhere else in the pitch, it wouldn't have been given as a foul. But yeah, I, but I, I think it was. I think it was. I think you you can give that as a foul. Uh, I I think it, it was an attempt. I think the problem is that Ireland played so badly for so long that any attempt to kind of and to be fair to O'Neill, he did say you can't blame the referee for a first half performance. Mm. But any attempt to say that somehow the ref was the reason why Ireland didn't win the game is nonsense. They start playing, really playing in the last five minutes. They had a bit, bit of spirit of play early in the second half as well. And the second half was better than the first half. But you know, the, the questions that need to be asked today are why the last two home performances have been so miserable and negative. The tempo of the first half, and they it said it straight afterwards, that the players and managers, it wasn't what they were... They spent two weeks building up to this game. It felt like a match that had been thrown together at the last minute and that they didn't really know what they were doing and that they weren't at it, which is kind of strange. I know sometimes at this time of year, players, uh, their minds are wandering a little bit. But for a game this big, you would have thought what we saw in the last 10 minutes, a version of that at least, you would have seen for the first 45, that intensity. Yeah, but we didn't see it against Wales either. So I don't know if it's anything to do with uh, the, um, you know, the, the time of year or anything like that or whether it's more to do with the... Uh, the messages they're getting from the management, which seems to kind of put an emphasis on uh, physicality, going to war, going to yeah, going to, the the keen stuff. I, yeah, I was going to like I, that. Apart from how ludicrous and idiotic well, what, it was, what did he just refresh our memories? What he said because I don't think we've talked about this in a podcast. No, I think, so far. I think I it might, have, it might have come up on Thursday. Or I think it was uh, Friday after, or Friday or after, after we game. Yeah. done a He said yeah. that uh, he was asked about. Uh, Seamus Coleman's leg break, and you know, uh, people have done a lot for their country. They've they've done worse than broken their legs. Some people have died for their country, uh, which was a ludicrous and like you know characteristic characteristic escalation of things by Keane to say. Let's not you know Seamus Coleman is great and fantastic, but let's not you know lose perspective here. People have died for their country. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have done a lot worse than that, and uh, it kind of fed into this you know th- that kind of keen philosophy for you know it's not even a philosophy it's just a kind of series of sort of macho kind of catchphrases that he trots out uh in sort of uh, substitute for analysis when as a pundit and as a kind of as a coach and you can dismiss it as stuff he's just he's just feeding out to the media but if that's the kind of line that people are being told and the, the thing is that it does seem to tally with 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 the Ireland approach in some ways which is you know be tough and be hard and put up with any privation uh, any indignity up to, but not including missing cones and training bibs at a pre-World Cup training uh, camp. Or being accused of faking injury. Yeah. I mean, certain things you just can't... There are certain bullets that even Roy Keane isn't prepared to <laughs> take but, for his country. But funny, the argument before the match was this is bad form, think this will escalate things, and the Austrians seem genuinely pissed off with it. 
uh, and the, especially after the build up to the Wales game, which is punctuated by Keane saying that we'll, I can't remember the exact quotes about Gareth Bale and a bit about Wales, but that, you know, you get stuck in. That's, yeah. the, way, that's the way you do it. Uh, but it was actually quite tame, though. So certainly what Keane said in advance didn't have the effect of turning this into a violent fixture. Well, no, but there wasn't any attempt to play football. And, you know, you had that moment in, in the first half when James McLean. Uh, you know, won the kind of the admiration of the crowd for one of his typical uh, no-nonsense sort of uh, challenges when actually he had the ball more or less under control and didn't really need to do it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Ireland have, a, have a, a bunch of players that probably need to be told the opposite. They actually tr- maybe try and play a bit of football. We can see that... Uh, you can see that you 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 can you can do the physical stuff. It's kind of funny, you know. There's still there's still people who take offence when you know a, a coach from a foreign team will come in and say when asked about the Irish players, Irish style of play, he'll start talking about other oh, typical British British style of play, and they like to you know physicality and all this kind of stuff. Oscar Tabarez did it just last week, and you know people say, oh my god, you know, does he know nothing about our our, our proud and glorious history of uh, <laughs> of the opposite? And you know there is no proud, there's very little proud and glorious history certainly in the last 20, 30 years. And O'Neill isn't doing anything to, to kind of counter that. It's, 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 all that it's all that stuff. Wes Houlihan, uh, it is kind of boring to go on and on about Wes Houlihan, but I think it, there is an extraordinary thing where each game Wes Houlihan has to kind of prove himself. Mm. And people who aren't doing anything don't have to prove themselves. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, that's the thing I can't understand. I mean, it's just, it just boggles the mind. What do you notice about the, the games between Ireland and Austria with the away game? What was the score there? There, one nil. One nil. Uh, to who? To the Republic of Ireland. Again. Mm, First so big away victory in a long time. Victory. Jeez, I'm on fire today. Clean sheet. I can, tell you, I can tell you who the goal scorer was. <laughs> Ireland against Italy. Ireland against Italy. What game? In the Euros. Hmm. One nil. One nil. Yeah. Clean sheet. Clean victory. sheet. Yeah, victory. Ireland against Germany. That was another, At home. That's another one nil, Kent. Clean sheet. Well, yes, by definition, yeah, 1-0. Who didn't play in all those games? Who didn't play in all those games? Mm, Well, probably more than one player. Well, I mean, who's the indispensable player in this team? Glenn Whelan? Yes, Glenn Whelan. Mysteriously, our, our, our defensive midfield lockdown man was missing from all the games in which we beat, uh, you know, decent opposition in huge matches, not conceding any goals. You're saying there's other ways of not conceding goals. I'm just saying that when you take him out of the team, it doesn't seem to affect the results. But when you take Hulan out of the team, nothing good happens on the field. I do feel... I, am I the only one to talk Dan Whelan was decent in the first half when a lot of other players were really, really poor? This isn't necessarily a, a glowing recommendation of how Ireland played in the first half, but he was better on the ball than Hendrik or even Arter. Was he, was he good on the ball? I mean, I remember there was one... In the first half, I, I felt as, as, Ireland, as Ireland got more on top and he was brought forward a little bit more, I think he, it started to break down for him in the second half. There, there was, there was a pass out. out to the left which sort of almost accidentally made its way out to, to was it Ward running down the left side? Um, there was another incident where uh, Walters knocked the ball back to him and there was a great opportunity to put Brady in on the right side, but he just laid that Glenn Whelan instant and kind of played the ball then to Brady instead of ahead of Brady. And Brady had to kind of slow down, and that allowed the defender to block the shot that Brady then tried. There was another um, one where, again, the ball, uh, who's coming, probably Christie overlapping down the right and comes to Whelan's sort of right channel. And then just another ball, which is behind the player or kind of to the player's feet instead of into his past week. So I don't think he was good in the ball. Mm. I mean, well, these are, it's, it's this always, it's just a little bit too slow. It's just takes, it just saps the, the movement out of the attacks. And I mean, in terms of other stuff, I mean, for instance, um, one of the, Neil O'Reardon I saw was, was saying during the game, look, you know, we've got to give, I don't think other people are going to give Glenn Whelan the credit he deserves mm. here. He's playing very well. He was playing better than the other midfielders though. That's not saying much. No, but these are the guys. You know, Hendrick and Arthur are brought in in part because, like, what was that? Where was Jeff Hendrick yesterday? Well, this is. If, the, why, why are we here talking about Glenn Whelan? When, well, no, I, when I accept Whelan that. No, Hendrick, now, Hendrick, I'm not sure what position Hendrick is meant to be playing in. What position? He's not well, sure. Didn't about you think? Didn't you think Hendrick was actually better when he was playing the Glenn Whelan position at the end of the game? Yeah. Yeah. So, 
I mean, come on. Did you think he was but as that's good giving, a... But that's giving Hendrick a bit of a free pass. There was a mistake by Hendrick, which actually let them in. When he was in that position, he, he missed the tackle, and they were in on the back line, but you know. It's giving Hendrick a bit of free pass. And then Harry Arter's the flavour of the month, and we were talking him up last week. Mm. I thought Arter was poor. His touch looked off a little bit. Mm. He, he wasn't... He he likes to snap into tackles. Didn't really get mm. the opportunity to to do that. Uh, he had his poor old Glenn Whelan getting the stick today. Well, it's just like Glenn Whelan. Like, is he going to be is he going to be playing in Russia? I mean, I thought he was eased out after the Euros. We were through this last weekend. He's always going to be playing. <laughs> I mean, I thought you know when we were slaughtered by Belgium that time. That that was probably that was the. I mean, John O'Shea was on the bench yesterday. For some reason, he can be replaced. Why not John O'Shea? He's won the Champions League. You know what I mean? Like, there was people saying, well, look, Glenn Whelan's had a great career in the Premier League. You're talking about bringing in a championship midfielder in West Hulahan ahead of this guy. Um, you know, I mean, it shouldn't... Your club career that you've had over the many long years of your career shouldn't necessarily uh, be the deciding factor. But I think it, it just... It, it shows the conservative approach of O'Neill, which is that a player who can't do very much but can do in his eyes, the, the, the things that are necessary to kind of break up attacks and that kind of stuff is always going to get picked. Now, Whelan doesn't really do that much of that. He's, he's kind of a, he's a weakness in some regards, but he's not a weakness in the sense that you'll see, like, like Hendrick is in that position, oh, Hendrick made a mistake. Whelan's mistakes seem to get overlooked because he's not really trying to do anything else. Mm. So it's like, this is, this is what Glenn Whelan does, and let's just accept him for that. Uh, I thought the first half... There were, you know, Austria had, there was so much space in front of the Austrian defence and Ireland were getting space with all the wrong players in those positions. And you just think if Wes Hoolan was getting on the ball in that position, something would happen and things would happen. And you just, Ireland don't have, they don't have the kind of the luxury of saying, let's, let's, let's take, let's just ignore this guy until the last 20 minutes when the game is kind of, when things are going a certain way. At that point, Daryl Murphy is on, and the game is actually going in a different direction. And we saw it last yesterday that actually, in a strange way, Ireland, you know, they cut out the pretty stuff, and uh, they just kind of, you know, just went, went even more direct. The, the only justification I can think of it, I, I can think of, rather, is that he he thinks he can't actually, is physically incapable of playing, uh, you know, 90 minutes. But he doesn't have to play 90 minutes. Yeah, this is the thing. I mean, if you play him from the start, play him for 70 minutes yeah. and bring on someone else. Yeah. If you if you think he doesn't have the stamina, which I would, you know, I haven't seen evidence that Wes Houlihan is, an, is a noticeably diminished player physically from, you know, when he played 90 minutes against uh, Germany no, in that uh, victory. There have been comments over the years, uh, and didn't O'Neill himself mention the difficulty he has in putting a couple of Games together, but I was playing two games in yeah, four days. Well, but, but, but even raising played. it means that this issue has been raised for some reason about Wes Hood, and I don't know why. Maybe because he just doesn't look. But it's, yeah, that's physically it. he doesn't that's look particularly impressive. It's just a stereotype. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a slight ball play ball playing footballer. So by bit, by, bit windy, you saw <laughs> me, yeah, exactly. And by, by the by the kind of thinking of thirty years ago when Andy Gray was knocking goalkeepers <laughs> over, he's not he's not up to it. Yeah. But you know things have changed. Yeah, I mean, when you, there was a moment in the second half, because obviously when he comes on, uh, everybody who likes Wes Hulan to be in the field and was burning with indignation that he wasn't on the field. When he comes on, then feels really protective of him, and when he misplaces <coughs> a pass, it's like... <laughs> 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 I can't believe you did that. But yeah. what did you see? Yeah, but you remember what happened when he misplaced that pass. Mm. What did he do then? He scuttled back and won the ball, and then came back and started dribbling back up the field. I mean, I was thinking, what, what what's wrong with this? But, you know, but this is the whole point about him as well. That's what I mean. He has to go out and prove himself every time. So every time he misplaces a pass, it's like, well, there you go. Well, is this, That's why he's not in the team. Is this... Uh, like, as if misplacing a pass was some sort of bar to selection in an Irish team. But is is, is that then... Uh, I mean, what you've said just has opened... Maybe is Martin O'Neill playing 4D chess with Wes Hillen here in the sense of, prove yourself, Wes? Because that's exactly the state of mind Wes Hillen needs to be in to play his best... <laughs> I mean, I don't you're know. Re you're reaching. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I suppose if he was doing that, maybe put him on from the beginning, or I don't know. I mean, may, the, there is an argument that maybe he's treating him mean to keep him keen. But I, I do think you, you look at the way they started the game and you think, right, if if Wes starts, you have one player on the pitch who's going to make, who's going to change the emphasis, who's going to do things that maybe will open somebody up. And then you're you're not waiting to to get going, and you know the, the goals coming, you know, Ireland scoring goals, and you know it, it's 
it is, is one way of looking at it, it is a testament to their spirit and nobody can kind of doubt uh, they should have lost the game yesterday like Austria should have won that game and Ireland didn't lose it so that's you can say that's that's fantastic the way the the Wales Serbia game went then it seems like this is all all great for O'Neill and and Ireland are, are still in you know they're top of the group well, so great position I mean, O'Neill, O'Neill is a manager who does get a couple of breaks you know what I mean there is I, I mean thinking for instance of Georgia beating Scotland in the last group and then that result between Wales and Serbia was in the circumstances Pretty I mean good, yeah. we were arguing about what result would be best but that result was the best. Well, particularly once we had drawn. Exactly. I think that result was definitely best because it keeps us level with Serbia. It keeps us at arm's length from from Wales, so it's kind of perfect. But, but the, the, the the problem is, it now it's looking like, well, maybe Ireland can beat Serbia. Uh, if they get a playoff, everyone will say, well, we expected a playoff. That was, uh, that's as much as we could have expected. Um, but after beating Austria... And going into the home games and getting two points from you know the two home games this year, it's kind of well, well. Now you're kind of getting to a position where a playoff is becoming more likely than actually topping the group. And from the position Ireland were in, why why shouldn't they be looking to top the group when you've got a, if you've beaten Wales at home and beaten Austria at home, that would be that would be on. Mm. Johnny Walters puts in a hell of a shift, doesn't he, Dion? <laughs> like, there's at one point yesterday. There were, there were there were a couple of times I was it was slightly frustrating watching because there were there was at least one moment in the second half where Shane Long would have been in on goal just with his pace uh, and Walters was a bit cumbersome getting over to it and knocking it back to a full back to cross one in but you can't the amount of running gets through is insane and the first half must have been a nightmare for him mm. these long aimless balls just but, over his head well it was started up from, from kickoff. the first thing Ireland did from kickoff was play a long ball forward that just went out over the end line and Walters you see Walters trundling after it going this is this is it now this, yeah. is, this is his day <laughs> exactly this is his day. and yet he sticks at it and finds a way and get, and scores a goal when, when he does I know he's a guy we've talked about a million times in the oh, but the goal was brilliant in, in the kind of Irish tradition of, of, of kind of jammy stroke incredible goals that was right up there. Like, if you want to talk about referees coming into tradition, like that was like, you know, Frank Stapleton bumping Gary Stevens and Mark Wright into each other. The little nudge as the ball was <laughs> dropping was just was one of the great Irish moments. And then the finish was brilliant. Was but it fell? Probably, probably, probably it could be a foul. I, but I mean, I thought it was a foul when I saw it in real time. I was well. There was no yeah, well, he took enough away. From well, he did actually get a foul. He did do something similar in the first half when uh, when the defender handled the ball. He gave a little nudge on him, and the refs put, called it back for a foul against Walters. So, mm. and by the like by the standards of the game, it probably was a foul. Mm. But again, it was just one of those uh, uh, moments where you think that's that's like you know who forward. And actually, Austria should have scored a second just before that. There was you know that was the key moment that they could have won the game. And then Brady's long ball, and uh, again, just the uh, you know cut out all the all the messing around in midfield. Do we need to take that into account as well that we don't have long there? Don't have Coleman playing. Don't have James McCarthy. That might also be a bit of a reach, given that he's another player we talk about constantly, and whether or not he, he gives. So with, without those those guys there, there's I don't know. There's, there's still a lot of footballers though. That was my my big disappointment yesterday was how little football we played, even without Wes in the team. I I kind of thought Arthur's going to have a big game here. Hendrick, you don't know he could recapture some of the form from the Euros. If Robbie Brady plays well, that's a lot of that's a lot of decent footballers against a team who are supposedly shaky in confidence, and it never really came. Like give it give it up to the big boys was the halftime cry, yeah. and ultimately that seems to be the only way we can get ourselves out of these situations at the moment. Yeah. Well, there were, I mean, you know, I think I think Brady and Hendrick were disappointed. I mean, Brady just finds himself shunted around all over the pitch. You know, what's yeah. what exactly is he supposed to be doing? And probably probably his best spell of the game is when he was playing at left back. Ward had a poor game left back, you know, throughout. Um, until he came off, I mean Hendrick again. I don't, I don't know if he's that. Like he, Hendrick was playing effectively as a as, as a number ten, which he's not. He could be a number eight, a number six. He's not a. He's not that kind of a number ten. He's not. I mean Hendrick is a big, <laughs> like a big, strong kind of a player. He's not like a kind of turn on a turn on a six no. <laughs> kind of a guy. No, no. He, he, you know, you'd rather have him facing up the field rather than. You know, the other I think direction. the problem with Hendrick is that he he tends. I agree with you, but I also think he lets games pass him by a bit. Mm. So maybe if you're if you're thinking, uh, where can we put him? Again, it's sort of a negative starting point. Was where what position can we put him in? Where his ability, his tendency to let the game pass him by, 
won't actually be too detrimental to the rest of the team. Yeah. And technically, he is quite good. He's not. He isn't a skillful kind of player, but he he is technically good. So maybe you think that he can do something in those positions. I think he is a pretty skillful player. I mean, by the standards of our team. But he needs to I, do I mean, more. I think whatever his, position his he's in, he's not doing. Uh, in recently, he hasn't done enough mm. uh, when he plays. Even when he plays further back, he's not getting on the ball enough. He's not doing things that you would think he should be doing because yeah. he is one of these players who tends to impress like I know like you know Tardelli when he was there loved him yeah. and uh, Keane and, and O'Neill I think like him when they see him in training and then it's one of these players who when he's actually put on the <coughs> put on the field he doesn't do but all he, the but things but he did in the Euros though That's he did yeah, so yeah. You're, you're kind of thinking there's no reason for a player that really felt like a player who'd arrived uh, Jeff Hendrick from yeah. an Irish point of view and a guy let's be honest most of us hadn't seen that much club football from him at that stage of his career, probably, and thought, this guy's going to do it. He's playing Premier League. Then mm-hmm. he's, you know, he, he has his moments, and it just certainly internationally, he he hasn't built on it yet. Well, well, I mean, in the Euros, wasn't he playing in the kind of four four two? I mean, that was his position was as one of the was as the right sided player in a four four two four two three diamond. Yeah. Or he, uh, yeah. Whereas in in, in the, the system yesterday, he was kind of playing behind the striker. You know, with the two midfielders, Whelan and and um, Arthur were kind of the two deeper lying midfielders, and it's a, it's quite a different you know game that he's being asked to play there. I mean, for for one thing, I mean, it reminded me a bit of when J- when James McCarthy was picked in that role by Giovanni Trapattoni against Uruguay. Do you remember that uh, Ireland played Uruguay in a friendly, lost I think three two at home, and it was. Uh, Trapattoni had been, everyone had been saying, oh, why don't you ever play McCarthy? You know, can't you see he's playing well in the Premier League? Why don't, why are you blind to our talent? And he said, okay, I give McCarthy his opportunity. And played him at number 10 in a, a sort of 4-2-3-1 against Uruguay. And McCarthy wandered around with the ball flying over his head yeah. for the entire game. There was, the game just, I mean, you talk about the, the game passing these players by, but like, it literally was not played in his zone. You know, he could either go looking for the ball somewhere else and Trapattoni would have been angry with him for deserting his post. Or he could, you know, stay where he was supposed to, in the area of the field he was supposed to be and watch these, these balls just go over his head. Yeah, and you did notice that from some of the midfielders. Yes, at one stage, Arthur came back to, I think it was Cyrus Christie in the first half, looking for a short ball or could have been Duffy at, uh, on the right side of the centre-backs. And whoever was just blasted it back over his head. And Arthur Christie, give me the ball. There, were, there was another moment like that where Arthur again, who you know, I mean, I guess nobody thinks he played that well, but he's, you've, you've got to remember how interdependent that is. That that judgment, you know, he can't. He's a he's in a position where he, he needs other players also to play in order for him to to look good. He he had the ball. I remember it was uh, uh, Ward and McLean out to the left, and. It was just, I remember Arthur having the ball, giving it to Ward, and McLean was sort of ahead of Ward, also on the sideline. So you got two players in a line, mm. right? It was one ahead of the other, right? Nothing is happening. Like, the, what, can, what can now happen in this situation? Ward could maybe give the ball to McLean, who'd probably be offside. Or, you know, what needs to happen is those two players need to move, right? One of them needs to, both of them, in fact, need to make moves. Uh, Arthur got the ball, gave it out to Ward, and then you could see Arthur calling for the ball back because you could see there was nothing really on here. He needed to get the ball back. They needed to move, and then there might be a pass. What happened? Ward paused on the ball. uh, Couldn't think of what to do, and then just wellied it into the box, Mm -hmm. and it was cleared. So, okay, Harry Arthur is is now out of the game. The ball is cleared. The ball is now behind him. He's running back to catch up. Uh, McLean hasn't done anything. Ward has just... You know, it, it was just bad, bad, basic bad football. And that kind of thing was happening too often. Yeah, I think the defence looked so shaky yesterday that you could maybe excuse uh, midfielders not being able to get on the ball for that reason because they were so nervous at the back. Ward had a poor game. Long was actually the best defender, I thought. Yeah, he was and, very good. Uh, yeah. Um, Duffy, we've been talking about, gave the ball away yeah, a few times. Yeah, and was just shaking. So when that starts and... That kind of, and then they're clearly just they're, they're anxious at the back, and they just want to get rid of it. <laughs> um, that happens, and then you you've less chance of playing. But I do think ultimately, it does. You know, as I said, like the first thing Ireland did was kick the ball long and, and kicked over over the end line. So that is the kind of message that that's the kind of core uh, approach that 
Ireland always plays. And so. yet, Dion, and yet we got the point. A word before we let you go on the spirit of this Irish team. If you could bottle the spirit of this Irish team, <laughs> how, how much would you pay for a bottle of this stuff? I, I don't think you could you could put a price <laughs> on that. Uh, Dion, brilliant stuff. Thank you. Cheers. All right, that's, that's good manners. <laughs> players have played but they're still in the squad I wonder did you speak to any of them before deciding to accept the job no absolutely not no 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 it's none of their business you know what I was going to do it's a ridiculous question <laughs> <laughs> we want to win football that's just there's nothing to tame you know some sort of animal you know what I mean um, you obviously don't know Martin as well as you think you do he makes me look like what a Teresa you know he's um, I don't know we want to win football that's just we've had a lovely few days the hotel's been lovely Food's been excellent. Training ground is lovely. No potholes. Uh, we've had footballs. It's been great. Bibs, everything. It's been major progress. And we want to win football matches. If you were listening to our preview of the game on Thursday's podcast, you would have heard a heated debate about whether or not it's okay to miss an international match for your own wedding. Andreas Ulmer, the guilty party in my book. Uh, prioritising his wedding ahead of a, an international fixture. Didn't realise at the time uh, that we, we missed a key link in that conversation. Kevin Long. Oh, Kevin yeah. Long's brother was getting married at the weekend, so he was missing that. And he, at the time, presumably thought, I'm going to take this call up. I don't know, maybe he thought he could push his way into the starting team. Nobody else really did. Everyone assumed that he might come on if there was an injury or something, but he obviously felt a bit more strongly about it. And I can only think that the Long wedding went, went quite well once his their boy was out there and, and acquitted himself quite well, actually. Well, yeah, he had well, very well. We were talking about the defenders looking a bit shaky, but probably he was the, the least shaky of the four of them. Absolutely. He was the best, he was the best uh, performing member of the defence, I would, I would have said. Um, I don't think missing your brother's wedding is on the same level as missing your own wedding. Mm. No, I I'm not saying that. I never said that Ulmer should have missed his own wedding. Cancel the whole thing. Maybe Sorry. there could have been a different date put forward by Mr. and Mrs. Ulmer. Yeah. I don't even know if she's going to be Mrs. Ulmer. I don't know how, how it works. But. I mean, Keane was talking about that, wasn't he? He was saying, I've missed loads of weddings. You know, I wonder, you could imagine a sort of a macho off between all the top football men talking about all the what important family occasions, <laughs> all the ways in which they've screwed over their families Mr. for the sake of their career. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine that. All right, we're we'll chatting in the World Service tomorrow. Thanks very much, Ken. Thank you, Al. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Thanks for Ken. chatting talk to you. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home.